There's a new book coming out, Bob Dylan, Mixing Up the Medicine, and on the line with me are the authors, Mark Davidson, who is curator at the Bob Dylan Archives and director of the archives at the exhibitions for the Bob Dylan Woody Guthrie Centers in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and also co-author of the book is Parker Fischel, who's an archivist and serves as co-curator for the inaugural exhibitions at the Bob Dylan Center. And both of you put together Bob Dylan Mixing Up the Medicine. It's coming out uh, this week, and this is the quintessential Bob Dylan book. When did this idea start to happen? It's been many years in the making. Uh, The Bob Dylan Archive came to Tulsa in 2016, and uh, shortly thereafter, the former curator of the Dylan Archive, Michael Chaikin, and poet and New School professor Robert Belito started bringing people to town, to Tulsa, to go through the archive and write a short essay on it. And that started in 2017. This is a massive endeavor. It's uh, almost 600 pages long with full-color pictures. This very well could be. Is this the definitive Bob Dylan book? (laughs) That's a loaded question in the Bob Dylan world. I think that I would say it's the first deep dive into the Bob Dylan archive. Uh, The first sort of glimpse of it was the Bob Dylan Center. And this is the version of the center that you can actually take home with you and pour through. The sub subtitle of the book is Treasures of the Bob Dylan Center, and that's, I think, what we've put together. These are representative examples of the types of materials that you can find there, such as lyric manuscripts, correspondence, even down to uh, still images from films. This is uh, hopefully a summation of, of everything that's been done, but it's sort of just a beginning. You know, Dylan's career is still continuing, He's still putting out incredible works of art that we can all um, appreciate. We can go see him on tour. So this is a story that's very much still happening. Why is Bob Dylan still touring? He's he's 82 years old now. He has an archive, a center dedicated to him. What drives this man? Yeah, I, I think one of the things we have done with the, the Bob Dylan Center in, in Tulsa is to focus on Dylan's career-long restless creativity, as we like to think about it. He has never stopped in one place for very long. We can't speak for for Bob or know what's going on in his head, but certainly uh, it must still be enjoyable for him to uh, go out and perform these songs live, and what a thrill that must be. That's Mark Davidson, who's director of the Archives and Exhibitions at the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. When did you become a Bob Dylan fan? A documentary that came out in 1987 called It Was 20 Years Ago Today, which was about, you know, Sgt. Pepper's and uh, uh, the culture uh, around that. Um, I learned a lot about uh, the beats and the diggers and everything else that was happening, Hey, Ashbury and there were a couple of clips in there, and one was a live clip of Dylan from 66 doing Ballad of a Thin Man, just kind of howling. And then they had an interview clip in there where the interviewer asks, uh, do you consider yourself more of a songwriter or a poet? And he says, I, I consider myself a song and dance man. That was kind of my entree into Bob Dylan. And then I had some real moments was at Florida State University for undergrad and 
somebody played Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie uh, on the college radio station, WVFS, and it blew my mind. And when I started working at that radio station, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. when nobody was listening, I would put that on every show and and go out and crawl out on the roof and listen to it over the radio and stare out over the uh, Tallahassee skyline, as it were. Mixing up the medicine, the new Bob Dylan book by Mark Davidson and Parker Fischel. Mark, what were the challenges of putting together a book of an artist such as Dylan? He's changed his entire career, constantly moving from one thing to another. And I think in the book, we try and show the continuities across sort of the long arc of 60 years because they're definitely there. In the public imagination's mind, if you don't know a lot about Bob Dylan, you probably know like civil rights folk singer, the early Bob Dylan. You probably know the Bob Dylan that's on the cover of the book, which is like the 65, 66 with the big tousled hair, with the big curls. And you probably know the Rolling Thunder Dylan with the big beautiful hat with the flowers in it, maybe in the, you know, stage makeup. Those are the Dylans that people think of, which are, they're all great. If that's all the work that Dylan had created, boy, what a body of song we'd still have. But for me, coming in and and pouring over this material, I think when an artist consistently puts out material of the high caliber like Dylan has, particularly over a long period of time, we tend to overlook the labor and the creative process that goes into it. We have blonde out of time out of mind, but we don't think about what it really took to get there, who always is trying new things, is willing to take risks. I think that's one of the things that the bootleg series has shown us are these songs that Dylan has taken into the studio, worked on, and then left behind on the cutting room floor, so to speak, that, you know, years later when they pop up on a bootleg series, something like Blind Willie McTell, everyone says, oh my gosh, how could you leave that off? And, and Dylan is like, well, it wasn't done. I didn't feel it was done. And so it's a long way of saying how he's a really judicious self-editor, a ruthless self-editor, and you get to see, you know, the risk-taking, you know, whether you you put those in the context of Bob Dylan or you're just sort of interested in the creative process. There's a lot to take away. I'm talking to Parker Fischel and Mark Davidson, authors of the new Bob Dylan book just released called Mixing Up the Medicine, the first official book from the Bob Dylan archives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Parker, what was your favorite essay in the book? I I think it's really hard to pick favorites. Mark and I set up the story of the Bob Dylan archive and how it came to Tulsa. Book ended with an introduction by uh, Sean Wilentz and an epilogue from Douglas Brinkley to leading public intellectuals of our time. Sean's piece is really an introduction, sort of a high-level overview of Dylan's career. And then there are these 30-odd essays interspersed throughout from the likes of Grail Marcus, Lucy Sant, Amanda Petrusich, Anne-Margaret Daniel, Richard Hell, Joy Harjo, Michael Ondaatje, Greg Tate, uh, Larry Ratso Sloman, uh, the visual artist Ed Ruscha, who has a big um, retrospective up at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City right now. A lot of heavy hitters have brought their brilliant minds to bear on particular objects or episodes or stories or different aspects of Dylan's creativity and career. Raymond Foy and Griffin Andache provide more of a literary analysis, diving into manuscripts 
and text different texts that Dylan might have, you know, had in the mix as he was writing different drafts of different songs. So Raymond Foy's essay deals with the song Dirge from Planet Waves and looks back at some of the classical Latin roots of that. Um, Griffin Andace dives into the relation of Joseph Conrad, the, the novelist. There's a really wonderful uh, essay, probably one of the last things that Greg Tate, uh, the great cultural music critic, wrote before he passed on uh, the relationship of um, Jimi Hendrix and Bob Dylan. Uh, that's the one I've been bringing up a lot because it's really meaningful. It's really incisive. Uh, it's really fun in all the way that Greg Tate's words on the page always are. He uses the word macadocious, which is wonderful and, and right on point. Uh, and it's, it's beautifully illustrated. We were really able to find some lovely uh, accompanying images the wonderful collector in front of the archive and also an essayist in this book, Jeff Gold. He owns some of Jimi Hendrix's record collection, including Jimi Hendrix's copy of Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits. And the cool thing is that Hendrix annotated the back of it. He scribbled on the back some notes and some doodles. And then we've got, you know, some of the picture sleeve. Uh, Dylan's all along the watchtower and, and Hendrix's. So that's one where I think it hits really hard. Um, people will enjoy it on, on many different levels. Parker Fischel, co-author of the new book, Bob Dylan, Mixing Up the Medicine, along with Mark Davidson, who is also the archivist and curator at the Bob Dylan Archives in Tulsa University. Mark, what's it like being curator of the Bob Dylan Museum? First thing one realizes in kind of confronting the, the Dylan Archive is that it's massive and that somehow all of the stuff exists, that it remains. An archive like this will never be put together again. Um, we don't live in an age of telegrams or faxes or typewriters, handwritten letters, all of these analog audio tape and, and film footage. So much of where archiving is, you know, on, on collections these days has to do with the digital and how to preserve those things that are born digital and exist in essentially ephemeral form. The other part is, is that it maybe the largest archive, most significant archive devoted to a single artist uh, that is out there. I, I don't like to engage with hyperbole, but um, I've thought a lot about that. And the Bob Dylan archive is, is special and massive. One of the really important parts of dealing with Bob Dylan is that so much of the interpretation is, is subjective. That's why yet another Bob Dylan book, it's, it's possible for us to, to keep returning to the, the wellsprings. Mark Davidson, one of the authors of the new Bob Dylan book, Mixing Up the Medicine. Do you have a favorite essay? I had a very sort of personal relationship with the essays in, in that I was the the box fetcher for all of these people uh, who were coming through town to check out the archive and do a public program. It was really at the core of, you know, our mission, which was to raise the profile of Tulsa, to bring some cultural events. And it was really great getting to watch these people rifle through papers and, you know, their eyes widen. You know, Peter Carey's essay is really quite incredible because it gets into some of the history of Tulsa, the Tulsa race massacre, 
and his experience being in the in the city it's a really great cross-section of the people who were able to make it to Tulsa in those first three years 2017 to 2020 uh I spent 10 weeks of my life with Clinton Halen on on maybe four or five separate uh, research trips for him. And he put out a massive book called The Double Life of, of Bob Dylan. This fall also is his even more massive follow-up. He has written dozens of books on Dylan. He will admit uh, up until now, he hasn't been able to leave Dylan alone for Clinton. Dylan is the most significant artist of the 20th uh, and early 21st century. But when he found out about the Dylan Archive uh, and that it was coming to Tulsa and he came for his first visit, he said, this changes everything. I need to, you know, I need to go back and start anew. I personally have Bob Dylan to thank for my career because I'm a DJ in folk music because through Bob Dylan, I became exposed to folk music. Bob Dylan and Woody Guthrie. Do either of you have a folk music background? When when I, I came to the Dylan Archive in, in 2017, I had just finished up uh, a few degrees, one in archiving, audio preservation, library science, where I met Parker initially at the University of Texas. And I also did a, a, a PhD at UC Santa Cruz, and my dissertation was on folk music recordings from the WPA, uh, which sounds incredibly dry, but it was these recordings, some of the first important folk music recordings in the United States that kind of fueled this this folk revival. Collectors like Sidney Robertson Cowell in California and Zora Neale Hurston and Stetson Kennedy in Florida and Alan and John Lomax and Charles Seeger, the father of, of Pete Seeger. Charles happened to be at Newport 65 when Dylan went electric. That's all kind of part of the, the mix. And the thing about Dylan, the misconception is that he came out fully formed in Greenwich Village in the early 60s as a folky, but the early recordings uh, that he was doing with his friends in the mid-50s in Minnesota were, you know, R&B, rock and roll. And uh, doo-wop. It was yeah, just the popular uh, yes. music of the day. Yes. You know? And in fact, he had made and released or tried to release uh, non-folk records during his freewheeling time period. Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, really like a Rolling Stone came out that that people said, oh, he's, you know, now he's he's jumped the shark. Well, like Rolling Stone is an interesting song because from what I understand, that solidified his commitment to being a songwriter and a singer. Yeah, there's a quote, I think, uh, from, is it a CBC Canadian uh, radio interview where he says that, Prior to writing like Rolling Stone, he was trying out all these different, do I want to write a book? Do I want to write a play? All these different forms. And uh, like a Rolling Stone showed him that he could satisfy all of those urges in, in song. I'm on the line with Parker Fischel and Mark Davidson. The new book is called Bob Dylan, Mixing Up the Medicine. It covers the whole career of Bob Dylan, has great pictures even of Charles Seeger at the Newport Folk Festival in 1965. Also fascinating is Dylan's interest in other subjects, uh, his background in old songs and his radio show, also his connection with beat poet Allen Ginsberg. Why, why did he have that unique connection to Allen Ginsberg? 
I think there was a degree of kindred spirits and we dive into the beats quite a bit in this book because it absolutely formative influences and and tying that into what you mentioned about theme time you know theme time points to his his deep knowledge of a wide range of music but it's also it shows he loves this stuff he's got to be a fan philosophy of modern song is another instance where that playfulness around other musics and 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 bringing all of these things allen ginsberg the beats folk music traditional ballads all of these things into uh his own music and and art i think it's not just about musical tastes or literary tastes or cinematic tastes i mean dylan's uh, appetites are omnivorous when we were trying to figure out how to deal with the philosophy of modern song and how to like represent that through objects in the archive amazed to find that like in a late 60s notebook dylan had written perry como without a song now perry como not someone you associate with the dylan of the 1960s and yet there it is it had clearly caught his ear it's something he'd been thinking about for a very long time and whereas we would have maybe you know brushed that off he heard something and continued to ruminate on it. And there are a lot of instances like that. You know, I think theme time is not just about the music. It's working in all the humor and the jokes. You know, I think something that's overlooked is that Dylan can be very funny and often is. You know, the book, we try and show how wide a net he casts and how he takes things in and can distill them in various ways. And they find their their way into song or prose or radio shows or what have you. Parker Fischel and Mark Davidson, authors of Bob Dylan, Mixing Up the Medicine. The Dylan Center has been open for years for researchers, but recently opened to the general public. What has the reaction been like? It's been really, uh, really incredible. When we designed the center, this concept very early on of skimmers, swimmers, and divers, uh, skimmers, people who just wanted to dipping their toes Swimmers, people who wanted to get a little bit more in depth, and then, you know, the people know Dylan and really want to take a deep dive. So we designed the exhibitions at the Dylan Center to hit all of those things at once, which was surprisingly difficult, but I think we pulled it off really well. So at the Dylan Center, you're greeted by uh, a gate that Dylan himself designed for the center, one of his uh, Ironworks gates, but we have an immersive film experience that takes you through uh, sort of chronologically and thematically Dylan's life and career, his thoughts on his own work. And then we offer a chronology, uh, roughly uh, the same chronology we give in the book, and then deep dives into six of his songs uh, from Chimes of Freedom, uh, 1964, through Not Dark Yet, uh, from Time Out of Mind. There's a studio experience where you can mess with mixing your own tracks of, of Dylan songs and also hear stories from the engineers, uh, producers who put together some of Dylan's music throughout the years. Uh, Elvis Costello curated a playlist on our virtual jukebox. Tom Piazza, uh, the wonderful author, put together a listening booth where you can dive into some of Dylan's influences. And then there's a I think 70, 75 foot by 10 foot wall of, of objects, our archive wall upstairs uh, that also uh, has touchscreens associated with it. So you can see something in a box, whether it's a, you know, the guts of a, a, a piano, a big brass piano harp and 
um, learn all about uh, Bob Dylan writing Rolling Stone on that piano. It's a museum that demands hours and hours and hours of your time, no matter how familiar you are with Dylan's life and career. Mark Davidson, curator at the Bob Dylan Archives and director of the archives at the exhibitions for the Bob Dylan Woody Guthrie Centers in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Also online is Parker Fischel, who is co-author of Bob Dylan Mixing Up the Medicine. Mark and Parker, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much, Michael. Thanks, Michael. Take care.